Hello and welcome to the Stack Magazine's podcast. My name is Stephen Watson, I'm the founder of Stack, and this week I'm speaking to John L. Walters and Simon Esterson, their editor and art director of iMagazine. I is, of course, the International Review of Graphic Design, and their current issue is the second in a two-part special on magazine design. It's their biggest ever issue, and I think given the fact that you're listening to this podcast all about magazines, I'd say there's a very good chance that you totally love it. I won't go into loads of detail now about what's in there because Simon and John obviously do a much better job of that, but I would like to point out that we do have copies of this latest issue available in the Stack Shop now, and if you're one of those people who listens to this podcast when it first comes out, you can save 10% off the regular price. All the magazines that go in our shop have 10% for the first few days, and this one went up earlier this week. So uh, this copy of I will be discounted until the end of the day on Sunday, the 16th of December. It is a totally brilliant read, uh, so I hope you'll pick it up either from us or from somewhere else. Um, But before all of that, I hope you enjoy this conversation with John and Simon from iMagazine. All right, John, Simon, thank you very much for coming over to Somerset House. Thank you for having us, Steve. Uh, So we have got a magazine in front of us um, at the moment, which I would say if um, we've got anyone listening to this at the moment, they should definitely be reading this magazine. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about what this is and what the wider idea of the two mags is all about. Uh, Well, this is something unprecedented for I, which is a a two-part special I-96 was the magazine design special part one, and the latest one is part two. So between the two issues, we've really covered a lot of aspects of magazine design, editorial design in general, but we've also gone from the indie sector to the more mainstream sector. We've looked at really up-to-the-minute approaches to magazine making, and we've looked at some, some fantastic historical examples as well. So looking across the two issues then, so for the, in the previous issue you had that big long piece with Gail Bishler from the New York Times There's magazine. Really two long pieces in the first issue. There's Gail Bishler and the way the New York Times magazine works, proper reputations interview. And then the second big piece is about town magazine. So, you know, revisiting uh, probably a magazine that's not quite as well known as some of the other English magazines from the 60s but actually art directed by a guy called Tom Woolsey and it's absolutely fantastic and we were lucky to work with an author who not only knew the history and about partly the story of the photographers that work with the magazine but also had a set of bound copies that we could shoot from. And isn't this always the story with I? I mean you know that in iMagazine you're going to get the authoritative version of something but also the access and you get the most amazing photography of these whether it's magazines or or whatever it is it seems to be that's your kind of stock in trade well i think we try to make a magazine where the content is to the fore so i mean i like to think we have nice layouts but we don't spend forever arranging bits of type on a page so one of the things you can do is when you've got really good content is you photograph it properly or you try and find the right archive with the material in so for the new york times uh, piece where as well as showing 
spreads and, and of course the famous covers we wanted to give some kind of atmosphere of what it's like working in that Renzo piano building in, in New York we had a discussion with Gail and partly because of access and people's comfort we ended up working with a New York Times photographer who spent a day and um, it's a very simple brief <laughs> wander around the magazine office and take pictures of them and you know he chose the day where it was the editorial meeting and you see, you know, Gail and the team at their very, very long table. It's about 10 times as long as this table here. <laughs> and then you see, you know, Gail talking to Matt and looking at layouts. So it's another way into that stuff. And, and we, you know, where possible, we try and do that. So we, we've got mainly two long stories in the previous one. Yes. So then how does the new issue vary from that? Well, we have some extremely long articles in this one as well. Uh, in fact, this is the biggest issue of I we've ever made. It's the biggest issue in the magazine's history. Um, there's a very long reputations interview with David Driver, the legendary art director, best known for his work at the Radio Times, which he totally transformed in the 70s, uh, along with editor Geoffrey Cannon, and then went to the Times uh, for Harold Evans uh, in the 80s. Uh, and here, uh, what Sam's just talking about, access to the archive was crucial. We've got some very good quality copies of the Radio Times, which is actually not a very well-printed magazine, hmm. but uh, part of David's achievement was to integrate uh, two different forms of printing, uh, a time when it's very difficult to have colour in uh, a weekly magazine, and it was an immensely popular uh, high-selling magazine that everybody saw, and he wrought a lot of uh, quite fundamental changes in the use of illustration um, and uh, commissioning uh, great illustrators such as Peter Brooks. But the issues also got lots of contemporary things too. And it was John's idea to split it into two issues because when we wrote a contents list, we realised you just couldn't fit this all into <laughs> one magazine and that we'd probably go mad in the process of trying to condense it. So uh, this issue's got uh, pieces about Zeit magazine. It's got a piece about Le Obs, which is the, I think, fascinating French news weekly. Um, We've got a feature about uh, Michel Outland, who crosses the indie mainstream divide very neatly with a beautiful indie magazine called Gather and uh, the uh, title Bon Appetit, which is a, a leading foodie mag in the States with a very substantial circulation. Um, we've also got little pieces on things like Peter Bellack's Works That Work, which was a magazine that had a limited number. It, was, it made 10 issues and then Peter stopped. So that makes a very interesting story about a very different approach to, to magazines. I, I think we've actually... Uh, I mean, there's lots of magazines we were hoping to include that we haven't included, either because we didn't get the right story or we couldn't find the right archive or get access to the images. This process of finding all the elements that go to make an eye feature uh, is, is ongoing. And, you know, some stories, go back, like the Tom Wolsey one, go back quite a long way in the, in the research and discussions. And, of course, we always, although it is about magazines and editorial design, uh, in doing that, you're also talking about other aspects of uh, the world of magazines and of design. So we're, we're touching on the business model, for example, in the opener, which um, has comments from um, Mr. Magazine and from Jeremy Lesley of Mag Culture uh, and uh, Anne Harad um, Lewis uh, looking at why do we still take magazines 
seriously, which, which is a reasonable question to ask when you encounter people who haven't bought a magazine for a year. Uh, absolutely. It, I mean, it's not at all surprising that you two have got uh, an excess of content to go into. I mean, you, you've been involved in magazines for a long time now. What did you find the most surprising when putting all this together? What did you end up learning about magazines that you didn't know before? That's a really good question, isn't it? <laughs> I, I think, well, there were, actually, the fascinating thing for me uh, was which magazine, which I sort of knew about, but we've done a piece about their original covers when there's a design group called Banks and Miles that art directed which, and there's lots of stories about which. It's a fascinating business model. It's a pioneering kind of independent journalism. But also, they did these really great uh, kind of concept covers. And I don't think somebody's collected together a group of them recently. And we had uh, the, uh, Ben, who's the art director at Which Magazine, invited us in and said, "Oh, we've we've got these. We've got some of these covers." And Holly and I went along and went through the cardboard boxes and picked out the, the great 60s covers. It's interesting to do, uh, if you like, a historical piece where the people involved in it are still around and still working. So um, we had a very nice piece written by um, Fee Churchman based on a, an MA thesis she'd done about uh, Spare Rib, the pioneering feminist magazine. And Fee had talked to lots of people involved in the original magazine um, but had somehow never got hold of Kate Hepburn, who was uh, the original co-art director. Uh, fortunately, I got the chance to interview Kate, who went on to design Vol magazine, another pioneering ecological magazine, and is still very active working in the field of um, uh, photography books for Dewey Lewis and still working with the Pink Floyd. You know, she crosses from magazine design to rock and roll and entertainment and Monty Python. Um, so that was a thrill, really, to, to, to find someone who had very strong memories of that era, but was still an active designer, still very engaged, and um, also had an archive that we could photograph. <laughs> so, I mean, um, you've, you've got so much stuff going on here. I guess the, the obvious question then is, how has it taken so long for you to get around to making this magazine's magazine? That's the question we ask ourselves as well. <laughs> I think part of it is the moment. You know, it became clear it was going to be two issues. So you're conscious that you've got a clear, you know, got to hit the right two issues. It's about the right people coming together and being available. Um, and then I think, you, you, you know, you know it's a big project, when we've done special issues before, we did a food special issue, which is just one issue. And we realised that we quite a lot of stuff had to be ditched along the way. And I, I think we didn't really want to do that this time. Uh, yes, we, we approach special issues with trepidation. <laughs> um, I mean, as you know, Steve, we've, there's always a place for magazine design in our right. pages, whether it's a special issue or not. And, for example, the big uh, Matt Willey's big interview with um, R.O. Blackman that was in I-95 uh, featured a sidebar uh, written about his New Yorker covers. And uh, over the years, there's always been a magazine story or two mm. to... Uh, to, to, to uh, to liven up the pages of, of our magazine. But um, sometimes you feel there's something in the air as well, and the success of, for example, well, 
success of Stack on one hand and success of the ModMag conference and other things. And there's a new book by Ian Birch about revolutionary magazine covers. Uh, and Ian, if you remember, um, contributed a, a piece about uh, the magazine cover to our anatomy of a magazine, um, multiple feature in um, the previous magazine special. And by the time we got to the new issue, Ian's book had come out, so we were able to include a review uh, of that. So sometimes you get a feeling, um, I think we felt the same way about the food issue, Simon, having talked about it for ages. When yeah. we finally did it, it felt like the right time with other things that were happening in the culture. But you can't really plan that. You just, you just go ahead and yeah. you hope the best. You've got you to yeah. wait for it to come. And then once you start... You're on, you know, on the ski slope, and and you're, and you're doing it. You know, there's no, there's no plan B. Yeah, yeah. And there were one or two magazines that got away, so we may. Well, we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> Inevitably, I'm glad you mentioned covers just now because. So, am I right in saying that your previous yes. issues cover is the first one where you'd commissioned an uh, an illustration for the cover? That's correct. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, normally the. <laughs> Normally, the content is rich enough that we can find something or crop something. I mean, we did actually commission I-94, the digital cover, but this, but, uh, Jason Ford was probably the first proper illustrated cover. And in a way, it was, a, it was partly because we had him working on this anatomy of a magazine feature, which really, I think, called for witty drawings rather than yet more magazines. I mean, there, there was a moment... When we sat, when the, Holly and I sat down with John and said, "Well, the problem with this issue is it's just full of magazines," <laughs> and we wanted, you know, we wanted to show there was enough, there was something else you could do, and so, and out of that, Jason did what we thought was a really interesting idea for a cover, very simple, and we did this um, wrong side of the box board um, printing, and and then when it came, so when it came to ninety seven. It either had to be something entirely or completely different, or something that was kind of from the same. So we tried to make something so it feels like a they feel like a pair, really. And so we've got another illustrated cover, and <laughs> yeah. this one, I think, this is trying to communicate the the niches that you have in magazines. So you've got a nice little thing where you've got Pie Magazine with a cook, you've got Die Magazine with a Grim Reaper, you've got Try Magazine with a rugby player. Sky Magazine with a duck. Sky, Sky <laughs> Magazine with a ducks. The, this, for me, gets to the heart of what I has actually done so well. Like you, you have put yourselves right at the heart of this particular little niche, which, you know, like, there, there are not that many people in the world who are working in graphic design, but if you're working in graphic design, there's a very good chance that you're reading iMagazine. Uh, well, that's very kind of you to say. Um, I think uh, uh, what you also see is uh, the brilliance of Tom Gold, the illustrator, in taking Simon's brief to uh, follow Jason Ford, which is quite a tough brief to start with, and also to interpret the contents of the issue. I think you showed Tom what was going to go in magazine, and I suppose what Tom took from that was there's lots of very different magazines in here, and he entered another... You know, he's created an alternative universe in which uh, there's lots of these magazines that use a variation on Magnus Racking's original I logo. The, um, uh, so they always end in a, an E or a Y, which loops around the, the logo. So it's, it's, it's a very um, clever little device. And, um, you know, it, on, the, on the back, you see... Um, this, this is a post... The image we used for the poster when we did a, a, a Mag Culture Meets talk the other day is uh, the, the sort of... Um, 
This is the iReader. The generalised iReader deep in a copy of iMagazine. You, you don't really commission Tom Gould. You just ask him, <laughs> you just, you just ask him to do a drawing. Uh, and you, you, you can tell him what's in something, but I'm not sure he actually cares very much to listen because he, he's usually got the idea often before you kind of show him anything. Right. I, I mean, both, both Jason and Tom... Uh, worked in work in a hundred to Beauvoir where we were until recently and uh, we see them every day in the kitchen making coffee and it seemed completely obvious and natural to ask two of our favorite illustrators to to do covers for us while making a cup of coffee inevitably yeah the you two have been doing this together now for a long time I'm I'm interested to know how is it different now from when not even when you started, but from when you started making this magazine together. So is, it about, is that like eight years ago? Uh, it's longer, believe it or not. Um, we started when uh, Simon came in, um, I think as guest art director, um, while we were still owned by Haymarket. We are owned by a proper professional magazine giant for, uh, for a while. And then, uh, of course, things really started to change when Simon and I bought the magazine from Haymarket and we became... A thoroughly independent magazine. And that, when was that? That was just over ten years ago. Right, ten years ago. Why? Okay. Right. And the the big change that uh, that, that Simon wrought then um, was to change the printing, change the binding, improve the quality of the boxes. We basically wanted to make a magazine more of the same, if you like. We, we you know we we knew we had a great magazine. We wanted to make it even better, and we kind of felt that the readers deserved something better, and that we could give that care and attention to it in a way that a big magazine company can never justify. And maybe an independent magazine can't justify either, but, you know, we just did it. <laughs> and, you know, the audience is graphic designers and people who enjoy graphic design or are studying graphic design, so it seems logical you should try and give them something that shows the best of those possibilities within some kind of budget. I mean, I think when you ask the question, what's changed, the answer is it gets more expensive to, to make a really interesting magazine. And, you know, we just have to try and keep keep with the challenge of that. Well, why does it get more expensive? Uh, because we always add more pages. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the other part of the answer to what's changed is that it's something that's changing all the time, which is technology. You know, 10 years ago, there's a lot of things that we now take for granted that didn't exist at all. Yeah. And they change the game. Uh, so uh, the whole process of photographing and, uh, and of repro and of using techniques like variable data printing, which we use in I-94, those are all things that are there for us to take advantage of. And because we're just the two of us are making the decisions, we can make the decisions very quickly and react to what's going on. And I think um, one of the unsung heroes of iMagazine is John Bodkin, who takes a lot of the flat photography of posters, books, magazines, all those kinds of things. And his te technical qualities and his attention to detail and sheer enthusiasm has just been a, a joy to behold as the, the issues have gone on. We've been working with John for about 10 years as well, since, haven't we? Since we bought the magazine, we asked John at Dawkins Colour to take over the repro and we asked PurePrint to take over the, the printing. It looks really easy to photograph an open spread of a book or a magazine, and you can do it quite well on your iPhone. But what John brings to it is a 
range of techniques, so things like show-through and, and other elements uh, are accounted for, and he'll do an exposure just for the type on a page, so the type is completely, completely sharp. And then he'll do another exposure for the photographs, and those can be digitally combined together. And the files are, you know, he uses a very high-resolution digital camera, and he knows how to translate that data into the printed page, really. I mean, you, like you guys, if you're like, you know, looking at what you do yeah. and, and knowing what you do, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're professionals making a magazine, but it strikes me that you're also enthusiasts who are like just losing yourselves like, you know, in, the, in the possibilities here. What, like, what are you particularly looking forward to doing in like the next year? What can we expect to see from I? Well, it's the 100th issue next year. John's going to tell you nothing, <laughs> nothing about the 100th issue because we're trying to keep it a little bit... It's going to be fantastic, but what, as to what it is, we're, we're actually keep keeping that a little bit quiet for the moment. Um, I think the next issue... The, the moment this is printed and delivered, it, you know, that's it. Uh, we're straight into the next issue. And I, I always find, you know, what's really exciting is, is the next issue. Well, with... There is a what I call a slow burn process with iMagazine, which is a, there's always lots of stories around, um, either ones that we have an enthusiasm, a personal enthusiasm for, or the ones that people bring to us. Uh, there are also there's always far too many books to review, there's always far too many interesting stories to, to cover, and we have to find things that we can make work in the context of I. And also, the next issue is another special issue, it's a type special issue, so that gives us some welcome constraints. You know, at least a really good story comes in that's nothing to do with type, then we can say, okay, that's, <laughs> we can leave that for number 99. Yeah. Um, or even 101 or 104. Um, and um, uh, we do create a rod for our own back sometimes that, that we, we feel we can't just do this story in two pages. So that might mean delaying it another year before we can get all the, the different bits together. And sometimes, um, I mean, one of the, uh, well, you could probably see in an issue like this, um, it's not just about an article and pictures. We have long captions that explain what's going on. We have sidebars that take, go down a, a, an extra little path that deviates away from the main story. We discover interesting little things about collaborators, people who, who work with the different art directors. Because, I mean, one of the, as you know, the great thing about magazine design is it's never just about the magazine. It's about the content. It's about the, uh, the, the different obsessions of the editors and art directors who make those magazines. In fact, I mean, David's interview is as much about how process and your diplomacy make something happen. It, 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 you, there's, there's not much discussion of why he used... Franklin Gothic for a headline face, but a lot of discussion about the situation at the BBC that led to him and Geoffrey Cannon being asked to change Radio Times completely. Um, I, I think the, you know, the other thing that's difficult with a, an issue like this that is so full is that you, something like those which are covers, which are two spreads here, actually that could be a 20-page feature. You know, they're all fascinating. We've shown them all. They're there, but they could all be bigger. Something can always be bigger. And, you know, it's trying to make those judgments, and they're very... They're completely subjective judgments between the team, with, you know, between the team and within the team about why something is 20 pages and something is 
two pages and it's a particular problem when you've got so much rich material yeah yeah good problem to have though i imagine it's a fantastic problem to have but i i do wonder i haven't i've never really said this to john it'd be quite interesting to do another version of i-97 which is like the director's the art director's <laughs> cut well, and, like, or, or even the editor's cut give like, like, <laughs> There's a, there's a new version of the Beatles White Album that's just come out. It's, exactly. uh, it's, it's taken all the original elements and put them back together again. Um, I think uh, when we finish an issue, we're very glad <laughs> to move on to the next issue. And there's, there's, there's loads of stuff coming in. And we are planning ahead to issue 100, which I, I can't tell you anything about right now, Steve. But um, I, I think it, we should probably point out that this is uh, absolutely packed as a magazine special issue, but we all, always have space for articles that are not about the main theme. So we have a front matter section, which includes Rick Pointer's regular photo critique, and we have uh, an uncoated reviews section at the end, or a section we call uncoated, which means that we can cover you know, graphic novels, posters, history of punk, um, contemporary illustration, the nude in graphic design, things that um, are there because uh, they're, they're current subjects that deserve the attention of our critics. And we treat those in a very different way. You know, they're, they're usually just half a page or a single page, and they're a starting point. But I suppose just going on from what Simon was just saying about that uh, you could always go much further, I, I suppose what we think of an eye article is for the reader who's interested in that subject our article, however comprehensive it might look, is still the starting point if you're really going to go further. So there could well be a book of witch covers coming out in a few years' time. I'm sure someone, you know, several people would be inspired to, to look much closer at that. And I know um, Joe Banks has been uh, organising some exhibitions of the Banks and Miles uh, collection of, of work. So I think there are ways in which um, an issue of I although it looks quite comprehensive and detailed, it's, it's still a set of starting points for an even bigger inquiry that everyone can do. Excellent. I love it. Uh, well, thank you again for coming in and talking about this. I haven't read this yet, so I'm hoping you're going to leave it so I can have a, a proper read-through. Um, but yeah, thanks, fellas. Thank you for asking us. Thank you, Steve. Okay, that's all for this week. I'd like to say thanks again to John and Simon for coming over and speaking. And it probably goes without saying that I am really looking forward to seeing what that 100th issue is going to bring. If you've heard our recent podcasts, you'll know that I am mercilessly plugging our Christmas offer at the moment because as I'm recording this, there are less than two weeks to go until Christmas Day. Very exciting. Of course, you're probably listening to this at some point in the future, which means you've no doubt missed our last posting dates, but that's okay. All of our gift subscriptions come with lovely welcome cards that you can download straight away so you can print them out or email them for an instant gift. And we've got a couple of lovely Christmas welcome cards created for us by the brilliant illustrator Super Freak. So we've got you covered even if you're listening to this on Christmas morning. Seriously, every year we get people buying their gifts on Christmas morning. If that's you, just go to stackmagazines.com forward slash Christmas and you can choose a free magazine to start any gift subscription. There, that's it. 
We're going to be taking a break for Christmas from the end of next week, so we'll have one more episode this year, uh, which will come out on Friday the 21st. So if you haven't already, I hope you'll follow us wherever you get your podcasts so we can deliver that to you as soon as it's ready. Uh, And I guess I'd just like to say thank you very much for listening to this one, and we'll be back with our final episode of 2018 next week.